1: Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today.
2: Even after yesterday, 7.3 is somehow still the most mind-boggling number for one SEC team. Chuck Oliver, show live on Thursday, talking college football, and we had signing day yesterday. At least when high school kids could put uh, pen to paper and make it as official as it will be in the moment. So, when all of the at least shake out to this point. Uh, has occurred there were still a few quote flips or there were some elite five-star kids who wound up signing with a program that we weren't expecting uh, top of that list is KJ Bolden Dominic Rayola transferred to a place called Buford excuse me Dylan Rayola transferred to a place called Buford and it's I don't know an hour north of Atlanta it's about half hour from the Athens campus ish And so he's going to Georgia and wants to be close and get to the area. And we're going to find a place to live for the next few years while we watch our son play quarterback. Actually, I'm going to Nebraska. A lot of layers to that onion, but it's a five-star quarterback. And so the guy flips and it's huge news. Um, Again, even though couldn't be more context to it. Well, outside of when Dylan Rayola, who's a big, giant, five-star quarterback, when he moved into the area, did y'all ever see – Fast times at Richmond, High. Don't remember Forrest Whitaker in that. Like, that's almost becoming real now. Played a kid named Charles Jefferson who was a linebacker, and somebody commented, I thought he just flew in for the games. No, 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 no. He actually attends class here. Uh, That's kind of Dylan Rayola. He flew in for the season. And then he flipped his commitment, so he's going to Nebraska. Well, beyond the kid who, quote, flipped from Georgia to Nebraska – beyond the five-star who flew in for a few months of games. K.J. Bolden was the number one player in the state of Georgia, also from Buford, I believe. And I'd commented yesterday, that's two straight years, that a state like Georgia, who I put fourth among the big four, probably Florida, Texas, California, and it can go in any order. Florida, God bless them, because their population's nowhere near those other two. But, boy, they pulled it off high school recruit-wise. And Georgia's fourth, and I mean, it's a strong four. After that, North Carolina, Louisiana can jockey year to year. Alabama, nothing to look down your nose at. Ohio and Pennsylvania, there are still places to go, but um, not like around here. I mean, look at the population in Pennsylvania versus Alabama. I'll take a kid from Alabama every time. There was a year, do y'all remember when Pat White was at no, this is going back almost 20 years, so I apologize. Pat White was quarterbacking, not quite that far, uh, at West Virginia. And I want to say at that point there were 128 teams in what we used to call D1 football. I think 11 or 12 had starting quarterbacks in the state of Alabama. That's not nothing, folks. I, we're just better down here. So what we do. was what we value. Um And so K.J. Bolden flipped yesterday, or we found out about it at least. Number one player in a state like Georgia was a safety after Caleb Downs was so awesome last year. So there was some big news like that, and some of it involved the Florida Gators. And when I say even after yesterday, Florida had a couple of wild swings yesterday. One kid that they had lost to Auburn, one that they had lost to Texas. Another kid maybe was at USA. They lost a bunch of kids and ETN in the portal back about three weeks ago, almost. So there's just a lot going on with Billy Napier and the headlines and the minute to minute Twitter is just not a, it's not always a positive thing, man. It's an EKG. And there's been a couple of times you're looking at it going, get out the paddles. But for the most part, it's been EKG ish. One up, one down, one. Up. Like, ETN, like, maybe it's. We got three commitments, and, well, ETN you know, jumping in the portal. I don't know. I'll pick three freshmen next year. They won't have as much impact as ETN would have. So I'll, I'll kind of round things out and say, yeah, I'm kind of an EKG. Mostly up and down, even though I'm, so the hits were huge. But not all of them were hits. Lagway, he's in. Other linemen, maybe the number one or number two lineman in America, defensive lineman, and he signed with Florida. And so I don't know why any of y'all thought I would flip, but I'm, I'm gator. Um, Auburn apparently was sniffing around hard. Auburn might have finished third for K.J. Bolden. We'll talk a little Auburn in about ten minutes. Um, Hugh Freeze is still a little confused about it's okay to do this. I said yesterday, yeah, my school, going savage, buying kids. And he's like, folks, there are some programs out there just buying kids, and I don't like it. I'm like, "Ah, oh my gosh, it's good to do it. Do it. Now, I'd rather buy a 2021 20, 21-year-old um, than a high school senior, but it's just physical maturity and being able to compete in the SEC in most cases. But whatever. It's Hughes in charge of the program. He knows what he's doing. But uh, run into the fire, man. <laughs> Hug the wick while the candle burns. I promise you it's a good thing when it comes to name, image, likeness. So Florida lost some kids, but they also held off Auburn, who again was, I guess, second for uh, the big lineman who signed later. And so even after yesterday, where so many wild swings and so many headlines and there was no coach wanting to get across a finish line of some sorts, and just stop having to recruit all of these kids. Get something to than Billy Napier. If I were to ask you randomly right now, give me a number that comes to mind for Billy Napier and where UF football is. And I mean today, right now. If I were to ask you to give me a number, any number relevant to anything today, it may be sixteen, where the Gators are currently ranked for the recruiting class of 2023. It was, if you care about recruiting rankings, and I mean, I'd rather be higher than lower. uh, It's supposed to be higher than this. In fact, top 10, top 8, top 5, my goodness, look at all the 5 stars. And then, hey, look at the couple of 5 stars, Um, which is still not nothing. But 16, it wasn't supposed to be 16, was it? And so if I ask you right now, we're on in Gainesville. Anywhere we are, if you're a Gators fan or you just observe and go, my gosh, I thought they were like 8th. If I say give me any number relevant to anything with that football program, a lot of folks are going to say sixteen. Because of recruiting. I get that. It's not the numbers on my mind. A bullgator or I don't know, a casual fan. May be spouting off without having to look. Either eleven or fourteen. Which are the current two season totals for wins eleven and losses fourteen. There there are others. When I ask for any number relevant to anything with the Gators as they exist right now, you know the number that comes to my mind? I am mentally staring at 7.3. As in, Billy Napier's UF football program spent $7.3 million on analysts for the first full year he was in Gainesville. The support staff, not the coaches. Not the coordinators, not the eight assistants, not the actual coaches, folks. Billy Napier's full first full year, and part of that was finishing the freight on Dan Mullen's staff of assistants, which, remember, he was criticized for not having enough. Well, Billy Napier showed up, and he cured that. One thing that Billy Napier will not be criticized for is not having a large enough support staff and off-field input and not committing enough Funds to it. First full year on the job, he spent $7.3 million on people who don't coach. Not really. Folks, that is how much in various locales. I don't know, Kansas State, Texas Tech, like I, Missouri. There are places. That's the like the, the, the actual staff, the real staff, the guys out there with a whistle at practice going, no, line up, do it again. Or the guy in the stands on Saturday calling the plays like those coaches. Total 7.3 million. Billy Napier, he's not want to say crowed about it. That's not really his, his way. He's talked about it. How the power of information, which you can only gather through the force of numbers, and we're going to have it in Florida. Folks, there are three areas, according to Billy Napier, that we will gain an advantage from by spending $7 million annually on people who aren't actually coaches. Athlete performance. And that can be everything from training to watching film and helping you redirect the receiver off the line of scrimmage. Like athlete performance, you can watch film, and then you can talk to somebody. You just can't do it at practice, although they've changed that now actually too. Um, Athlete performance, so that's actual coaching, improvement, technique, etc. Recruiting, and then quality control, which honestly is everything. Like Ryan O'Hara is their quality control quarterbacks. So anything to do with quarterbacks, whether there's a new cleat I heard about, it gives him better grip, we're going to try the new cleat I heard about, or, you know, I was watching film and there's this kid out in Texas. Um, So these are the three areas that, according to Billy Napier, when he spent, and they're public, so they got to show you, when he spent $7.3 million, those are the areas, folks, I've already given you the outcomes in two of those areas. Athlete performance, you know it's a pretty good measurement of that? Dubs. And in two seasons, folks, two seasons at UF, in two seasons, he's got 11 wins. Yesterday in recruiting, they finished 16th so far. That could change, up or down. If you're average on the field, which 11 and 14 is pretty average, if you're average in recruiting, which in the SEC, 16 is not average in the SEC, I'm going to guess here, folks. 16 overall, I bet they were 10th in the conference, maybe 9th, maybe 9th in the conference. OU and Texas, nah, heck with that. They were 10th. I bet they were 10th in the SEC, Heath. I don't know. Um, If you're average on the field, which they are, almost, if you're – they were What? Average on the field, average in recruiting, that means you're average almost. And that's with spending more on non-coaches than a program, for instance, like Kansas State might spend on its actual real we're on the sidelines game day coaches. Then a bizarre quote yesterday. We have players who were up to the challenge. Some players weren't up to the challenge. Billy Napier said of those who signed with the Gators class and and those who didn't. Billy Napier Summing up some of the recruiting losses, well, we have players who were up to the challenge. Some players weren't up to the challenge. I am really confused. And by the way, I got a college degree in the language. So I am really, really confused. But I don't even know what that is meaning to say. Is that a Les Miles? He didn't have the chest to come to bat? And r- I- Wowzers. So that's where Florida sits. Almost average. We're going to take a break, get into it next on this Thursday.
1: the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck
2: oliver show all week, all year, it's all college football and Chuck Oliver show.
1: Happy Holidays. So, Happy holidays.
2: one thread weaving through so many programs. K.J. Bolden, number one player in the state of Georgia. That's not, not nothing to me. And he was going to Florida State and he was committed. Now he's signed with UGA. And I am assuming the, I believe it's the Classic City Collective is the name of the, the main collective for georgia players i'm sure they put together something strong something aggressive and my only response to that because i went somewhere else and graduated from somewhere else and sent in my opulent donation of 250 dollars a year to another sec program all right that's what i do um my only response to kirby and or the collective or whatever they got him that's my response is my school i should have done more Interesting that while I was asking somebody, and I sat down at Florida State about recruiting yesterday, unrelated to Bolden and whatever else, I got a text message back about recruiting, and then the next thing was, oh, and I think we're suing the ACC tomorrow. Um, So I don't know. That may happen today. As casual as pass the salt, oh, we might sue the ACC tomorrow. (laughs) Rock on, Florida State. Uh, speaking of college football and recruiting, like I said, I think it's a good thing. Go buy some players. It's like saying, like rebuilding your weight room and improving the locker room. I want to welcome on from right now, Auburn Live. That's an on three thing, Justin Hokinson, Welcome back, friend. How you been doing?
3: I'm doing well. How, how's your day going?
2: Uh, having a really good Thursday here. Uh, let's go to the Auburn recruiting class as it exists right now. Not a whole lot of action through the portal. Um, but Auburn, I guess, beginning last year, maybe with Keldrick Falk, maybe a couple of uh, guys in this class, Auburn has earned its own reputation of putting something aggressive out there, uh, in name image likeness, um, which I think is fantastic. It's just like any other recruiting approach. Uh, talk about some of the bigger names that Auburn reeled in yesterday, including two five-star receivers.
3: Yeah, I mean it was, a, it was a good day for Auburn. And I think you make a good point on NIL. By the way, I think so. People are still trying to get used to that, and and not referring to NIL like it's you know like it's something shady. Um, and so I think people are still sort of weird when they talk about NIL and money. And it's perfectly fine to talk about that, and that's a and that's a factor now in kids' decisions, just the same as playing time or um, relationships or anything else. So I think people are getting more used to talking about NIL in that way. Um, As as it regards to Auburn, yeah, I mean, really good day. Receiver was kind of that position that they needed to make in the, the receiver room was lacking in terms of playmakers this year. They just didn't have them, so... A lot of efforts went into trying to revamp that room. They landed two five-star receivers for the first time in program history. Both, of, both guys are in the top ten at their position in the country. Cam Coleman is arguably the best receiver in the country. I know Jeremiah Smith went to Iowa State, Ohio State, um, but Cam Coleman's right up there. And then you got Perry Thompson uh, as well, who's the number ten receiver in the country in the on-three industry ranking. So two big 6'3". You know, Perry's already over 200 pound, pounds. Cam will get there. Uh, But big, long, rangy, fast, just just playmaking receivers that will make a big impact. They landed two more four-star receivers in Malcolm Simmons and Bryce Kane, and they're still after Ryan Williams, the five-star receiver committed to Alabama, who reclassified, is going to be a part of this class. They're still after him. We'll see if they can try to flip him. But receiver room was big. They landed a good linebacking core, led by Demarcus Riddick, who was a Georgia flip. Um, and so, and then landed a couple of good defensive linemen, including a um, a flip, two flips from Florida and Amarius Williams on signing day and Jamonte Waller, uh, an edge player a few weeks back. So they hit some positions of need. I think offensive line is probably the next big need for the next class. That's probably where they need to hit a home run the way they did in the receiver class this year. But all in all, I mean, they're seventh in the country in recruiting. Um, average prospect ranking is fourth or fifth in the country. I mean, so just really a phenomenal effort in 13 months from from Hugh Freeze and that staff.
2: And I, I don't think I mean, there's no failing. If you're an Auburn fan, you're probably kind of busy. You don't watch a lot of Georgia State football. You think most people have an idea of the resume, the uh, skins that Robert Lewis has put on the yeah. wall?
3: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think you know they see the stats and you know pretty good, pretty good numbers. But I mean, I, I don't think most. Uh, Auburn fans probably watched him play see some highlights but go look at what he's done yeah he's a fantastic player and a kind of guy that can come in and I think help bridge the gap I mean I think Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson are going to be expected to play and be impact guys day one but there is that level of uncertainty with any true freshman. Um, Robert Lewis is a guy that you know has been there, done that in college football, can come in and and separate and be a playmaker and be a leader in that room, help sort of grow that room. You know, they got a few guys coming back, but he'll be one of the leaders in that room probably next year because they had three or four guys hit the portal. So, yeah, I think Robert Lewis is an underrated prospect and an underrated guy in this class as a transfer player because of all the attention on – cam coleman and Terry thompson
2: all right um let's talk about quarterback because peyton thorn is still the quarterback of the program uh i have not seen robbie i've seen the other name saw javaris johnson says all right me i'm on portal now too um i did not see robbie ashford's name in the portal am i gonna
3: yes he entered he entered uh last week he entered um he entered late last week um i think it was friday right before the last weekend um before the big last weekend, before the dead period. So he went ahead and entered the portal, um, which wasn't a surprise. Um, now, I'm curious because he hasn't graduated yet. So just for him personally, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work with him or if he's going to try to get a waiver or exactly what the deal is there. But he did enter the portal, um, and, and, it, and is not on the depth chart that we got getting ready for the bowl game? So he'll be out. It'll be Peyton Thorne. Holden Garner will compete for that spot. And then you've got Hank Brown, a redshirt freshman, and Walker White, the talented four-star quarterback, top-ten quarterback in the country, coming in as a true freshman. He's probably destined to redshirt just because there's some guys there. But we'll see if Auburn wants a portal quarterback. I've told our subscribers at Auburn Live for weeks now that I don't think that they'll do that. Um, I think Freeze is comfortable with Peyton Thorne's potential if he can figure out some of the issues on offense they have, figure out an identity, and actually get some better playmakers around him. I think he likes Peyton's potential. You saw glimpses of it. And so I think it's pretty pretty high probability they roll into the spring with Peyton Thorne and Holden Garner and they don't get a transfer portal quarterback.
2: And that was where I was going to go when you hit on that, the freshman and what his uh, – because it's a different physical stature and maybe it's, you know, is that going to be what what Hugh Freeze really wants. So, I appreciate you hitting on that. Justin, thank you so much, brother. Great information, man. Thank you.
3: All right. Anytime. See you.
2: Nah, all right. Justin Hokinson, Auburn Live on three. Um, I had had the assumption, and correctly so, about Robbie Ashford and that there's just – I didn't think there was a future for him this year. Um, but I had not seen him listed. Plenty of conversation, but I checked the twenty four seven listing, and it's not there in uh, on the way out the door or anything. So, uh, good for Robbie Ashford. He's out there exploring going forward. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Come back, continue with hour one next.
4: Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer.
1: Now more cottage football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show
2: on Southern Sports Today. You're a mean one. Oh, Mr. just let Green. Jimbo live his life. You really Chuck Oliver Show on Thursday.
1: I, believe- I saw a lot
2: of headlines, because really, I'm just fascinated with Texas A&M and what happens next and how it gets done, et cetera. So I saw a lot of headlines last night and and throughout earlier today about Texas A&M football, different articles and such. I saw one little sort of string of headlines about, here's a summary. Mike Elko works to repair relationships in the state. And I'm like, click, like there's smoke coming off my mouse. Um And he's talking about the importance of relationships with high school coaches in Texas. I'm like, all right, sign me up for that. That's big. Um, So I don't know why they need to be repaired, but apparently they're not as super duper as they need to be. And that's a state where you certainly want to want to welcome on right now. Good friend of the program. We always love catching up with him. Mark Passwaters covers A&M for Rivals. How you doing, friend? Hey, Chuck, how's it going? I'm doing good. Uh, Let's talk recruiting, and um, it's not the easiest thing in the world. You hit the ground running. Everybody knows all the details there. Uh, Elko said that he was stressing uh, quality over quantity. Um, Give me your flyover of just the high school kids entering the program yesterday.
5: Uh, Well, when you have a class that is all four stars, every single one of them, uh, that's great. When you only have 12, that's, that's a great So uh, kind of a mixed bag. You know, he only had 18 days to to put this thing together and the closest thing that I have to compare it to was uh, Jimbo's first class when he came in 2018 Uh, and he rushed and got a lot of guys and that class I think ended up being 19 or 20 players but with the exception of maybe two of them it was an absolute washout. So I think that you can make an argument for both sides but after what happened with that first class i think that you know maybe patience is the better virtue here and the transfer portal certainly helps things out
2: is there anything to repairing relationships and high school coaches in the state um i don't know i mean i thought jimbo put together some pretty blowout recruiting classes but uh your boots on the beach there tell me about mike elko and what he's got to do with the high school coaches
5: well, you know, one of the things that always confused me was how Jimbo never really took the Texas High School Coaches Association seriously, and that's kind of like going in somewhere and trying to, you know, start up a new store and not uh, talk to the mafia. He he would either not show up at their conventions or he said Elijah Robinson or things like that, and That's just not a very good idea. Uh, You know, you're talking about a very powerful group of coaches in the state where you are operating. And, you know, as Elko explained it yesterday, they're always going to work inside out. They have to start in the state of Texas. And I think one of the things that he observed during his time here, Uh, before he went to Duke was he didn't think that it was such a good idea to kind of overlook those personal relationships so he's trying to not only mend fences but improve from where A&M was even before uh, Jimbo got there
2: Mark you are so right I mean no matter where you are it's it's Applebee's gift cards and edible bouquets and I mean it's everything to the high school coaches there in fact I'm, I'm not going to call it the ultimate scam. The ultimate scam, though, was when as any self-respecting SEC head coach, how do you staff your coaching clinics? You get the best high school coaches, and you way way overpaying to come do seminars at your coaches' clinic. Um, that's the lifeblood of every program, especially in a state like Texas. Yeah, I mean, it
5: seems – absolutely obvious to me that these are people that you would want to have on your side. And the best example of that, honestly, going back a few years, is Mac Brown. Mac Brown absolutely dominated recruiting in the state of Texas for a decade because he was in every coach's office. It doesn't matter if it was a 2A or a 6A school. He was going there, and he was meeting these guys. And for Jimbo to kind of neglect doing that, I think, was just a, a not only did it make things harder for him, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
2: No, it's uh, almost recruiting malpractice. Like I said, if you're in – I don't – I. Idaho or Connecticut? Maybe let's expand the borders a little bit. Texas, I can make a living out there. All right, let's talk uh, coaching staff. Uh, Jay Bateman and headline is Jay Bateman hired to run Aggies' defense. I'm like, I'm going to ask Mark Passwaters how true that is. Uh, we all have, we always do this, and it's always at you know, least suspect, if not outright unfair. We don't give the quote lesser name DC credit for doing anything if he's got a high name defensive minded head coach like. Mike Elko uh, what is Jay Bateman's responsibilities going to be
5: uh, he's going to be play caller he's going to run Elko's defense uh, and he's going to coach the linebackers so I think that it's not a bad move from that perspective he's not going to have a whole heck of a lot thrown at him in terms of absolute oversight but he knows what he's there to do he knows what scheme he's running He's going to call the plays, and he's going to coach the linebackers, and he's going to go recruit the East Coast and get out of the way.
2: How complete is the staff now?
5: You know, that's a good question. Uh, Elko said yesterday during his signing day press conference that it's a lot bigger than people realize at this point. So it sounds like he's got – some other folks that are coming i mean Trooper taylor is the interim coach at duke and i think he's coming over to coach running backs as soon as that's done uh got an offensive line coach still need a receivers coach now you got a linebackers coach you've got a corners coach uh they're getting pretty close to done
2: well yes i'll show you obviously sean spencer also uf going over there as well uh up mark passwaters again rivals.com he is the man um, all right. So offensively going forward, uh, there were just too many five stars for it to look as uh, everything looked difficult. It all looked hard for A&M. Um, and if nice Smith didn't bust a long one, then it just didn't happen. Um, what is the vision? What is the want? What is the maybe for all of that talent going forward?
5: Well, I think that it's just a matter of getting away from Jimbo's scheme for starters uh you know Bobby Petrino had to run within the the constraints of that system, which is frustrating and I think that uh you know with Colin Klein, you're gonna see things that are a little more versatile. he'll probably be able to emphasize the guys that he has. And, uh, you know, I'm very intrigued to see how it all works out because, honestly, it does seem like the last several years were pretty much a waste of talent. So he's still going to have a lot of talented guys there. They've got a couple speedy receivers yesterday in the the recruiting class. They got a couple more good ones through the portal. Uh, you're going to have Connor Wigman back. You're going to have Donovan Green back. The, you got three good running backs, and you're going to have that entire offensive line back with, I think, a coach who has a clue of what he's doing. So all of those things could kind of lead you to believe that there should be some significant improvement next year. But as, as you should with this program at all
2: times, let's just wait and see. That was Mark taking a shot at Adazio. Um, all right. Will Aggie fans hate-watch the playoffs because Texas is there? <laughs> Uh, nah. Just ignore it.
5: Uh, I'll probably watch the other game, but okay. I, you know, it, I'm sure there will be people that do watch it and then come on the board just to complain about how much they hate it, and everybody else is going to be like, "Shut up, we yeah. don't want to hear it." Yeah. And I think that's that's just the common mindset when one when a rival school makes the playoffs and you don't, most people aren't going to want to hear it.
2: Uh, That's I've always said there's nothing more miserable than watching somebody else's playoff game, especially a rival. even like hate watching something that can be a powerful motivator, but I'm like, it goes too deep with A&M in Texas. I just wondered about it. All right, brother. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. No problem. Merry Christmas. Yes, sir. Mark Passwaters. Always good stuff. So I was talking about KJ Bolton and again, I'm going to take Dylan Rayola out because he was Charles Jefferson. He flew into the games. Uh, the real number one player in that state for a second year in a row in Georgia was safety, and he looks like he's, I mean, he's bloated for bear. Um, just like last year, Caleb Downs, number one player in state of Georgia, safety goes to Alabama and just starts from day one and wasn't perfect, but, boy, he was good. That's what they're thinking. K.J. Bolden certainly looks the part of a guy who can show up and play day one. And so I was just talking about, the pivot and everything else because you know you talk about a pivot i don't know how much of a pivot it took georgia loses a five-star quarterback which is a boatload of spice for a five-star quarterback um they lose a five-star quarterback and still finish with the number one ranked recruiting class in america most programs don't get five-star quarterbacks much less lose them and if you do, it is just a soul-crushing development for Rick. Re- Imagine if DJ Lagway decommitted from Florida. Billy Napier? Two-by-four groin. Like, over and over. Have DJ Lagway decommitted from them? <sighs> Hang on, I'm hyperventilating. Give me a paperback. Okay, I'm better now. I can at least breathe and live. Um... A five-star quarterback decommitted from Georgia. Kirby's like, all right, we got our plan 1A ready. We got a four-star quarterback. We got uh, extra money for a five-star safety. Here we go. Sorry, Florida State. So, I'm talking to somebody about football. And then the add-on text was, oh, and I think we're suing the ACC tomorrow. I was like, that's not an add-on. Um I'm going to tell you what my understanding is. My I could be 179 degrees apart because it may just away from this. It may not happen, but the legal thought is in Tallahassee. Some folks, because remember they had a special meeting, we're going to reconvene again to talk about how angry we are. The thought is that FSU may have private equity money now to challenge in courts and seek a lower grant of rights settlement. So not the 150, but the we're going to go public and ugly, and we got money to sustain this. And how about you, NCAA or ACC or whoever wants to jump in the courtroom and fight this fight, ESPN, whomever? We want out sooner and for less. Now, if you think, that's kind of what Maryland did, wasn't it, which is the reason these grant of rights came. Folks, tell me we all know that, right? Like where the ACC finds themselves right now, it is all the result Of how they reacted to Maryland leaving that that was this and so maybe in Tallahassee they might have a challenge in courts and just lower the weight and the number and let's come to a settlement let's write a check you know you got stopped at the wrong border give me a number that always will cut to the bottom line. So, um, Indiana plates, I say, get to the number. I had a buddy of mine landed in a foreign country to go on a cruise, and they were like, yeah, you you don't have the right, you have your document A, you need document B. It's like, what's the number? 300? Here you go. Florida State, what's the number? We landed in Cancun. I, we lost our passport. What's the number? That appears to be what this going to be. And they got the monies to sustain it, they believe. So we'll see if that's how it plays out. But that right now is the consideration. That is the thought. That is the maybe in Tallahassee is I think we can, we can rattle enough our cup against the bars that we can get out of this ACC jail. And part of it is go public enough and state forcefully enough how – and, by the way, the folks in Charlotte get the message that this is going to go. We're going to yell as loud as we can how lame the ACC is that it kept us from getting into the playoffs. That's what we're going to say over and over and over and over and over. Why don't you settle? It's my opinion. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll wrap up our one next.
1: Back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. We had to apologize
5: for everything we said in the locker room. We probably spent a lot of time doing that, you know. It's a place where a lot of emotion comes out, right? But, yeah, I could have said that in a much more professional way and regret not doing that. What I don't regret is having passion with my players and celebrating a big win. And uh,
0: I'm going to continue to do that.
2: Dave Doran, NC State head coach. There's some things I know about Dave Doran and his program. I've told you this. Almost without fail, he's going to be really tough on the lines of scrimmage, salty. And I mean, draw you into sort of a muck it up sort of game. They do a really good job of that. And somehow they win a lot of them. Um, And I mean, somehow, because when you play that brand and everything is so close. You don't have those Saturdays a lot – not often where, you know, it's 48-14 and it's just – you get to exhale a little bit. That's not really NC State football, but they win. Um, Dave Doran, those are his comments. If you're not aware what he's referring to, he is the latest to pull off one spectacularly bad look. When you apologize and come off looking worse, that's about as bad as it gets. Dave Doran, if you're not aware what happened, he had offended all UNC Tar Heel p- football players over the past three seasons. His apology should have offended all the rest of us. Um, post-game, they won this year, third third straight year. Post-game, Dave Doran, quote, it's been 1,460 days since those pieces of earth beat us. Um, Mac Brown was asked about it yesterday and he says, I've never heard something like that before. says so I'm disappointed. I thought it was classless. It's not true. Didn't play well in the game. Didn't coach well in the game. That's documented. I get that. But you don't call a kid a piece of, and then Mack Brown said it, um, I've addressed it with our team. I apologize to him. So Dave Doran said, obviously, if I knew I was on camera, my language would have not been what it was. Does it make it any better? No. I did call coach and apologize because I could have used a lot of different words. They caught me in a heat-of-the-moment situation, locker room celebrating a huge win. I was fired up about how he played. I have respect for coach. Last thing I wanted to feel that, blah, blah, blah. said, it's not an excuse, but it shouldn't have been on TV. He says, I don't regret having passion with my players and celebrating a win. I'm going to continue to do that. Hopefully down the road we'll get the courtesy we deserve when we're going to be on TV in those moments. He didn't apologize. He blamed television. That's not an apology. You look worse after that. Don't know who Tim Anderson is? I'm going to use, I don't know, I think this pretty strong. He's a punk. He's a great baseball player. Boy, I don't know. The the physics of hitting a round object with a curved surface, it's absurd. And He's one of the best on the planet. Tim Anderson, really good hitter. Tim Anderson is a mental midget and a punk. And Jose Ramirez from the Cleveland Guardians said, hey, back off. Anderson acted like he wanted to fight. This was this past August. Ramirez, one punch, dropped him on the field. Like, baseball fights don't happen like this. Tim Anderson posted, in quote, his apology. I want to apologize to the entire White Sox organizations, my teammates, manager, coaches, and to the fans for my part in an altercation which took place in Cleveland. He apologized to anybody with the Guardians or Jose Ramirez, who's like the best guy in baseball. Curtis Granderson retired, then it became Jose Ramirez. This has been (laughs) – I apologize. I take responsibility, and then he doesn't. This has been a disappointing season for me personally. I will not even get into the things that were said to me by Cleveland players both Friday night and Saturday, but those comments do not excuse my language or conduct. I take full responsibility. No, you didn't. You blamed it on the season you're having. You blamed it on the comments from – Mac Brown didn't apologize. Uh, Excuse me, Dave Dorn didn't apologize. He says, hopefully down the road we'll get the courtesy we deserve when we're going to be on TV in those moments. When I say we should all be offended, that's Dave Doran. that's Tim Anderson looking at us and go, "Hi, I think all of you are stupid." I'm going to apologize to get me off the hook because somebody PR person said I have to apologize. But here's the justification: I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to explain why I was right to do it. Heath, how are you? Chuck, I'm good. Um, I'm going to give you a
6: choose-your-own-adventure here. We've oh, got, we got two beach tweets. Do you want the one that got deleted or the one that's still up?
2: Oh gosh, uh, no. I think give me. Give me the deleted one first.
6: Coastal Carolina decided to share a photo. They're at a bowl game right now. They're at the Hawaii Bowl. They decided to send out a photo. The photo was uh, head coach Tim Beck shirtless on the beach in some sweet board shorts holding up a a picture there or a a chain, I should say, that says ball at the beach. Next to him is uh, Chauncey, the mascot, who's wearing Crocs and socks despite the fact he's standing in the water. So good luck with the trench foot there, Chauncey. And next to them... 10 members of the school's dance team all wearing matching teal bikinis. Uh, That photo was sent out on the official school Twitter and then uh, got deleted for whatever reason, but it's the internet, so it's forever, and of course now the uh, various members of the dance team are being raided by people around the internet as to uh, what they think of their bodies and so forth. Uh, If you're in Hawaii, I get that you want to live it up a little bit. First of all, maybe have the mascot take off the socks if uh, the Mascot for the Wildcats of K-State can walk around without having arms. You can probably get by if your chicken has feet. But uh, I don't know. The head coach shirtless with 10 uh, dance team members in bikinis, probably not their favorite thing they could have
2: sent. Not very 2023, it doesn't seem. No. Uh, Very Jimmy Johnson at Oklahoma State.
6: Correct. Meanwhile, Dan Mullen sent out a tweet that is so very much there. And it's not going anywhere. Uh, For those who didn't see it, a close-up shot of... (sighs) A margarita, a little salt on the rim, a little lime. Don't dunk. Beautiful. azure Waters in the background there. Dan (laughs) Mullen just sending that tweet out yesterday with no further commentary at 647. Living his best life. But what the music should have been underneath it is, of course, Toby Keith, How You Like Me Now. Uh, Very very clear that a message was being sent here chuck
2: no need to dunk am i right is because maybe he's mad at florida i don't know billy napier still despite what's going on there um i will say billy napier doesn't deserve that sort of attention but yeah that tweet ain't going anywhere uh that is for sure now if you haven't seen the picture um i'll give the man credit he can go shirtless on the beach just not with 10 dance team members
4: Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer.
6: Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com.